We have come to the end of our summer series, so to speak, um, that we have entitled Refresh, a study or a look at God's Spirit. And this morning, I want you and I want for myself to look at the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. And so... If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will get there in just a few moments, but before we move forward, I believe that we need to um, look back. So there is this look back, and it's needed to refresh our memory, memories of where we have been. So I'm going to read a couple of verses out of John's Gospel We'll see this first point and then we will move forward into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for the remainder of the morning. Here's what John recorded. As, as Jesus on the, the night that he was on the night that he was to be betrayed, on the in the 24 hours that he was to be betrayed by one of his closest Judas to go through the the mockery of the multiple trials that he went through, whether by the religious leaders or by the Roman government and their leaders. Here's what he said. He was talking with his disciples in John chapter 14 and he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7. Verse 8 will be on the screen in just a second, but verse 7 states, if, if you had known me, he's, he's talking specifically to Thomas, but to all of his followers. He said, if you'd have known me, you'd have known my father also. From, from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And then Philip says, Lord, show us the father. And it's enough for us. Just show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said in verse 9, have, have, you been with, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. And then here's the verse. Truly, truly, I say to you. I I mean, he is emphatic in this. There is of utmost importance. I say this to you. Whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Honestly speaking, there has been very few, I mean, the one that I'm about to tell you about, maybe the only time that I can actually think I have felt somewhat of even close to what Jesus is feeling at this moment. So let me tell you, 
And you're going to say, that you don't feel anywhere near close, what, and you're right. 23 seconds are left on the clock. It is the height and also the, the bottom of my coaching career. 7th and 8th grade boys basketball, it is 23 to 22, and we have the ball down one point. And I am feverishly on the sidelines, animated and all, yelling at my point guard, who is just, I don't know what he was doing, but, but we're down a point. There's 23 seconds, and I am urging him to go up to half court, get the play started so that we have an opportunity to shoot, so that we have an opportunity, a chance to make a goal and win the game. And he is just lollygagging around in the back court, just dribbling, and he comes by me and he says these words. Hey, coach, don't worry. No matter if we win or lose, we're going to Taco Bell. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> we're going to Taco Bell. Have I been with you this long? All the drills, all the time, all the execution that we're trying to get this play run and all you're thinking about is Taco Bell? I wanted to step across the sidelines and kick him across half court. Here is Jesus. We lost, just to let you know. Imagine that, really. We lost the game. We did go to Taco Bell and uh, all is right in the universe, I guess. But here's Jesus. For three years, he has poured into these guys. For three years, he has shown them himself. He has shown them the Father. And they come up to him the night before he is to die, and they say, hey, how, how do we know the way? He said, dude, I am the way. How do we know the Father? Just show us the Father. Have I been, have you not, what's the last three years? And he finishes it by what we've read this morning, by this statement. He says, I'm going back to the Father. And because I'm going back to the Father, you guys, you that don't seem to have a clue about the way, that don't seem to have a clue about the truth or the light, that don't seem to have a clue that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, that we're the same, you guys are going to do greater works than I ever did. Really? Greater works. That's what he said. Think back about your last week. Your last week, did you uh, stretch out any hands that could not stretch out before? Think back about your last week. Did you, uh, did you heal somebody's right leg that was lame and they couldn't walk? This past week, did you heal somebody that was blind, either after birth or from birth? Did you raise anybody from the dead? Were the miracles that happened in your life and around your life greater? Not greater in quality, but greater in quantity, because Jesus knew this. Let's just take a hypothetical. If Jesus were here today, and Jesus could be the pastor of the church in DeSoto County, 
The whole church, the whole body of Christ in DeSoto County. Some ten to 15,000 people are in church this morning. And, and if Jesus was to be their pastor, if he was to be proclaiming the great news about his life and about himself, or, or he could have those ten to 15,000 people have the same spirit who is in him and who is him, and be dispersed 47 times out of every 45. He would say, that's what's needed. It is better for me to be in heaven and for the spirit of the living God to be indwelt in the lives of the believers so that when you and I go, wherever we go, I'm right there with you. You have the same power. That was in Jerusalem that afternoon, that evening, that was saying to those followers, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father except through me. You have the same power. You have the same presence. You have the same person who was there in Jerusalem some 50 days after that, some 53 days after that at Pentecost when he moved mightily and some 3,000 were saved that started the church. You and I need to be reminded of that. Because He has gifted you and He has gifted me to do His work. So, second point this morning, not only do we see that look back, so we, we've kind of brought ourselves to this point. The second point is this. We need to understand that these gifts were given, they are given from the Father to bring about His purposes. These gifts, we're going to talk about them, but these gifts are given from the Father to bring about His purposes. So what is a spiritual gift? Let's read about them in the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is one of the places where there are lists that the author of the book, the author of the letter, here it's Paul, he records a list. There's multiple lists throughout the New Testament. There are multiple um, times where they are spoken of, that these spiritual gifts are spoken of. None of them are exhaustive. You and I need to understand that. None of these gifts are exhaustive, and even when they're stated, and I'm going to try to bring this out for us as we close this morning, but even as they're stated, in 1 Corinthians, there is a list in chapter 12, and then there's a list in chapter 14. What's in between chapter 12 and chapter 14? It's not a trick question. 12 and 14, what's, what's in between it? 13. 13. What's 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Oh, it's, the, it's, it's that, that one section of Scripture that has to be read at every wedding. And that's exactly what Paul was trying to get across. He had this, this whole train of thought in chapter 12 about spiritual gifts. And he says, oh, I need to write a, a section that they can have some marriage and some weddings on. So let me put that here. No, that's, that's, it goes. We'll get there in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. But here's what it states. Chapter 12, verse 1. 
Now concerning spirituals, that's literally what it is. I'm sure that your translation has spiritual gifts, but really there's, there's not a good translation from Greek to English. And, and what he calls it, these are just spirituals. They're spiritual gifts. Concerning these brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, before you knew Christ, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray. You were led astray to mute idols. You were led astray to these things. However, you were led. So however you went, you were there in front of those mute idols. Verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. So something was happening in Corinth that they were saying Jesus is accursed and that is spiritual, that is um, what needs to happen or occur as a Christian. Nowhere is that happening and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one, wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith in the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Let's stop there and we'll come back in verse 13 in just a moment. But what are these gifts? What is a spiritual gift anyway? One author stated it this way. Just to to put it simply, a spiritual gift is this. They are Jesus pursuing his mission through his body he a spiritual gift or multiple spiritual gifts are just this that they are jesus pursuing his mission through his body the church you look there in verse number seven and it states it it says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good now one needs to see a few things about this verse. The first and foremost is this, that each believer has a spiritual gift. Every single one of us, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as sons and daughters of the King, we have at least one spiritual gift. Second, this gift is not for you. It's not for you as an individual. It's not for me as an individual. It is for His body, the church. It is for His body, the church, that these gifts have been given. Third, we see that not only does each believer have one and that the gift is not for you, but that your gift is needed for this purpose. There in verse number 7, it says, it is for the common good. 
It is needed so that the purposes of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Anointed One of the Father, our Master and our King, that His purposes might come about. Paul is writing to the folks at Corinth Baptist Church. He's writing to the folks at Corinth. He's writing to that church because they had forgotten a couple of these things. They had found themselves thinking that they had some Marvel Avenger or some um, X-Men superpowers. And they were going around and they were saying something like this. I have been gifted with the gift of tongues. I have been gifted with the gift of interpretation of tongues. And it is a glorious gift. I'm telling you, it is a great gift. And they would just start spouting off their statements in these tongues or in the interpretation of these tongues. And they would say something to the guy over in the corner and say, Oh, what was your gift? Oh, it's just administration. Well, you're back in the back. Oh, it's just service. Yeah, I never want to see you again. That's a secondary gift. Mine is a primary gift. Mine is of utmost importance. And and they were showing favoritism. And so Paul is writing and saying to these, it's just not the case. And he goes and he gives illustrations. Let's look in verse 13 and following. He says, for in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all are made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many members. Verse 15, if the foot, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would make it, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be their sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be as it is? There are many parts, yet one body. The the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts do not require but god has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that it lacked that they may there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together what's happening in this passage is paul is unloading on them he's unloading on them about how immature they are he's unloading on them about how they have no real concept of the gospel or of spiritual gifts they have no 
concept of the gospel because they are thinking that they're better than others because of the gifts that God has given them. How did they get it in the first place? It wasn't anything that they did. It was a gift given to them. It wasn't that they were greater in this area or in that area and God said, okay, I'm going to do it. No, it was a gift. They didn't deserve it. God gave it. Second, these gifts were to be used to bring about maturity and ministry in the body of Christ, in the church, and they were dividing them, and Paul was just taking them to the woodshed. You and I need to understand that uh, this is not going on in heaven right now. Okay, This is not going on in heaven. That God is saying, man, I wish that I would have been a little more clear on the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I wish, if they would just wait, if they would just wait a moment for Bible 2.0 to come out, everything would be fine and dandy because all the, the bugs will be worked out. No, God understood exactly what he was doing. He understood exactly how he was doing it, and it came about, and it has come about, properly, right, and in order. You and I must understand just like those at Corinth. It's not about the gift. The focus is not on the gift. I'm about to read for you 22 different gifts in the list of the New Testament. I'm going to read all 22 of them. They're not exhaustive, but as I read them, you need to understand, I need to understand that it's not about the gift at all. First and foremost, it's about the giver. Every one of these pages, every one of these words that has been written and has been kept for you and me is to point you and me to the giver. And then the importance of this passage is not the particular gift, but it is how the body of Christ, how River Bend, this body of Christ, matures and ministers where he has us. That's the point of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that's the point of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That's the point of Ephesians chapter 4. That's the point of Romans chapter 12. That is the point of all the spiritual gifts. It is for the body to mature and to minister and to bring about the purposes of our great God. To each of us, we have been given a gift. And the thing for you and the thing for me today is is this we've got to comprehend this we've got to understand that there's this brain flash there's this thought that has to go about that everything that comes down from heaven it does not have your name on it it doesn't have my name on it and i have to preach this to myself so often i'm going to talk to about 10 percent of the folks in the room for just a moment then i'll get to the other 90 of you 10% of us in this room right now, when we hear these words and we see these ministries and we see these needs, it is like a flashing neon light that is saying, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this yesterday, not not next week, not next month, not next year, we got to do this right now. When we see something about 
missions, when we see something about evangelism, when we see the poor of our community, when we see adoption or foster care, men's ministry, kids' ministry, women's ministry, street ministry, ESL, that's English as a second language, ETL, English as a third language. I just made that one up. Clothes uh, closet ministry, North American missions, international missions, church planning, nursery, servant event. When we see those things, for 10% of us here, 10% of us are like, okay, I got to do this. Where is that going to fit on my calendar? How in the world is that going to take place in between, take another off the list, and take that third one off the list? I have to come to this point over and over again. You have to come to this point. For the 10% of us that are in this room, we have to come to this point that it's not all about us and it's not that our name is written on every single one of these. Now for the other 90% of us in the room, pick one and do it. God has gifted you and He's gifted me. He has gifted us in such a way that we are to be about ministry. Sure, not everything that comes down from heaven has our name on it. But there is something that has your name on it. If you're a child of the king, if I'm a child of the king, there is something that he has you here for. There is a purpose for you to be here. If there was not a purpose, he would have you in heaven. What are you doing? What am I doing? What are we doing as River Bend that matures and ministers in this body, in this community, as a whole body and as individual parts of the body? Not everybody can stand on this stage because we're not gifted. Even those of us that stand on the stage, if I were to come over here to this uh, keyboard, and I don't even know if it's on, it is on, I'm not going to play it, but if I were to play it, the only thing that it would come out would be, that's it. I can play chopsticks and that, and that is all. You don't want me back in the back after five minutes with your child. We have been gifted. Certain gifts, they're not for us. They are for the whole of the body. And those gifts, even when they were given to you and they were given to me. You say, Brian, I don't like my gift. To be honest with you, there are many days that I don't like my gift. Yesterday morning, I found myself uh, walking around the corner in this, uh, and as I walked around the corner, I, I was all by myself as I walked around the corner, and then there it was. It was the grove, and, and for some folks, that's the greatest place ever, but for somebody like me, I really just wanted to step back around the corner and be all by myself. If it were me, I would want to sit in that seat in the far back corner right back there, and you would never hear me, never see me, and I would be so happy and so content. It would be glorious. But God gifted me with a gift that I believe can look at a passage of Scripture and take some of the deepest thoughts 
and some of the, the weightiest things and explain them to myself and explain them to you in such a way that we can live that out. And if I am like this, a lot of you are happy, but if I am like this, this body is not maturing as it should and we're not ministering as, it should, as we should. My gift is not for me. My gift is for Him. And I am to use it for His purposes to mature and ministry to happen in this body. I want to be an ear. I don't want to be an eye. I want to be a hand. I don't want to be a foot. Paul says, he says we need both of them. If everybody was an eye, we could see everything, but we couldn't do anything about it. If everybody was an ear, we could hear everything, but we couldn't see, we couldn't do, we couldn't think. If we were all feet, we would be smelly. If we were all, think of it this way. Your left knee itches, right? It is few and far between. Catch this spiritual thought right here. It's few and far between times that God just thinks My left knee is itching, so therefore I'm just going to stop the itch. What does he do? He takes our right hand, or he takes our left hand, and he sends a message down to it and says, scratch your knee. It's itching. Work. Come together to help the whole body. That's you. That's me. Every single one of us have a part to play. Every single one of us must come about and understand what our spiritual gifts are so that this body, River Bend, might mature. We might grow closer and closer to the Father and we might see ministry happen all around us. Because when we're not growing, when we're not using our gifts... We're not the body that Christ died for. At basics class this past week, we had basics. We had a a number of folks that um, in the next couple of weeks, you'll see their pictures up on a screen. Um, But uh, they joined, and I was reminded at basics class, uh, fresh and anew. Uh, One of the things that we seek to find or we seek to try to help you find is your spiritual gift. We let you take a spiritual gift survey, and we know that they're not gospel truth, but they kind of help funnel people in this area or that area. Um, And so I said something like this, like I always do as we look at spiritual gifts. I said this, we desire at Riverbend, we want you to know what your spiritual gift is so that you can use it where needed and also where gifted, needed. Sometimes there are things that you and I need to do, not because we're gifted in that area, but because the church needs it. The body needs it, so therefore we need to ask you to join us in that ministry or in that spot for a short period of time. Not three years, maybe six weeks, not not 15,000 times, maybe three times, because there is a need. And so we ask you to join in that. But then there are other times 
that we're asking you to serve where gifted. You will serve more cheerfully. You, you will serve more joyfully in the spot where you are gifted than just in the spot where you are needed. And so we want to place you in that spot so that you might excel. You might use the gifts to bring maturity and ministry and the purposes of our Lord and Savior for the whole body where God has anointed you and where He has gifted you. You need to find that place. And once you find it, you and I need to get after it. Some of us here are on the sidelines. Some of us on the sidelines, like I was that afternoon at that basketball game, I'm yelling at one of the players and telling him to get across half court, to get, a, get the play going, to set the pick, to throw the pass, to shoot the shot. And we're all on the sidelines, and we're yelling, and we're screaming, hey, you need to do this. I mean, there was 60,000 plus in the stands yesterday down in Oxford, and there was a couple of times, why in the world did you run that play, Freeze? Yeah, you got eight yards, but if you would have thrown it down there, you would have got 68 yards and a touchdown. We're on the sidelines. And we're not supposed to be on the sidelines. We're supposed to be in the game. God has allowed you to see. He's called your attention to some things that he hasn't called Steve Simon. He hasn't called Sean Paisley. He hasn't called Stephen Wright. He hasn't called Brian Tillman. He hadn't brought those things to our attention, but he's brought them to your attention. So, Hey, guess who needs to champion that? Look in the mirror. He's gifted us for these things. Not so that the the staff might drive it, but so that the body might minister and might mature and might bring about those purposes. There are multiple lists. None of them are exhaustive. I've stated that. There's some overlap, but all of them are different lists. Let me read for you the 22 gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament that are described as spiritual gifts. And I'll try to bring it to a close. He gave some apostles. Prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, healings, helps, administration, tongues, interpretation of tongues, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, distinguishing between spirits, gift of the evangelist, service, pastor, teacher, encourager, contributor, leadership, mercy, the gift of marriage, and also the gift of celibacy. As we come to a close today, I want to be clear about these gifts. God's been given, God has given these gifts to the body so that the body might bring about His purpose. So that the body might flourish. Let me read for you a couple of verses in 21 to 26. The I can't say to the hand, I don't need you nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they are indispensable. 
What's he saying there? The parts that don't get seen, the parts that are working behind the scenes, the parts, they are there, and you and I at Corinth, you and I at Riverbend might say, there's nothing happening. There is a ton of things happening. And those parts are indispensable. We have to have them. Verse 23. And on those parts, the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are our presentable parts, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let me close with this. Some of you have a two-year-old and they're back around the corner. Some of you have a third grader and they're back around the corner. Some of you have something in between or a little before that and they're back around the corner. There are people that are ministering in that area right now so that you can hear God's word. When you go pick your kid up, tell them thank you. For everyone that is in here that serves on a different day, let me tell you, thank you. Because you serve, because you serve back there, we are able to see God move in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls in here. We are able to see God's Word come to life. And it's all because you have a part back there. When you see the lady that plays this, she's right here toward the front, tell her thank you. The ones that sing right here, the ones that play back there, tell them thank you. Because they allow you and they allow me to enter into the throne room with songs of praise and worship. This morning we have a uh, dear family, and they didn't think that I was going to do this, but they serve most of the days on the other side of the world. And we talk about them sometimes. Sometimes we talk about them in a good way. Sometimes we talk about them in a great way. You thought I was going to say something bad. I didn't say anything bad about you. But here's what I know. Levi and Lindsay Lance understand what their spiritual gift is. They understand what their spiritual gift is to the point that they said, you know what, we will... Leave what is so familiar to us and what we really want to go and serve you wherever you take us. Stephen and Holly Wright, this past week, they got the, they got the phone call that said, hey, you're in, so to speak. We've got a date for you. And you know what they've done? They've said the same thing. Here's what's familiar. Here's what's easy. Here's what we might even want to do. But Father, our yes is on the table and you have gifted us in this way. So therefore, whatever will help your body over there or wherever, we'll do it. It's not that everything that comes down from heaven, they've got their name. No, they understand what it is. And they've said, that's how you've gifted us. 
we'll do whatever you want us to do, and if it's over there or it's here or it's somewhere in between, we'll do it. That's what all of us are doing. And I'm not saying you're not doing it. I'm just reminding us that is what we are to be about. We are to understand what our gift is. Thank you, Lord, for gifting us. Thank you for wanting us in your ministry for your purpose. Now let's go do it. Last night I sat in my garage with a number of your youth and uh, we were studying God's Word. We're walking through 1 Peter and as we found ourselves uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, these verses came up. And these verses are the gospel. And you need to hear these verses just as they needed to hear the verses as we leave out today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and following states this, knowing he's writing to a people that is being persecuted and even to the point of death in some places. He's writing to them that have been scattered, but he says this, knowing that you were ransomed, you were redeemed, you were bought back, you were saved, you were purchased from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. And I love what he says here. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold. You and I would think, silver and gold, man, they're not going to perish. He said, yep, they're going to perish. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. And I asked the group, and we went around, and yes, there was a little coaching, and there was a little pulling it out of them, but here's what your youth, want to teach you this morning that your heavenly father is more of a redeemer than he is a creator your heavenly father desires to ransom you to redeem you to buy you back even more than he desired to create you because before he created anything he said uh jesus there's going to be a day that you're going to have to go Before day one, day six, before any of that, God set out a plan to bring about your ransom. And His plan is continuing to this day. If you don't know Him, He desires to know you. If you have never bowed the knee and never confessed with the mouth, if you don't have a spiritual gift because you're not a child, a son, or a daughter of the King, He has one for you. And He desires for you to know it. Heavenly Father, I bow this morning and I am so grateful. Father, I am so grateful. Father, I'm grateful for what you have done. What you have done is uh, is awesome. Because you made a way for me, a wretched sinner, who does not deserve anything but death and eternal separation, punishment, and hell. 
You have given me a way to come to know you and to be not an enemy as we sang, but to sit at your table as a son. Father, there are those of us in this room that, Father, we, I mean, if we're honest, we haven't used the spiritual gifts that you've gifted us with. Because of that, Father, our body, God, our, our, our body is weaker than it needs to be. Our body is not as strong. Our body is not doing what you purpose for us to do because we are not using the gifts that you've gifted us with. Father, I pray that this morning you would bring to our attention what those gifts are. God, we would be ready to apply this moment, this second. We would put our yes on the table and we would use the gift, use the gifts that you have given us.